All right, hi everybody. Uh, this is your host, uh, Tony Rodriguez. This is our next episode of FTU, Life After the Military. Um, I hope you like that intro music. It gets my, you know, gets me ready to go for this podcast. Um, today we'll be joined by my friend Drew. Um, Drew, as you know, we don't say any last names unless people want their last names uh, said. But I don't know if. Uh, you have some great plans to take over the world later and don't want people to know. Um, so that's up to you. I just don't want them coming after me for anything I say. <laughs> okay. So as everyone knows, this podcast is geared towards, you know, life after the military. Um, so I like to stress that, you know, yeah, I love my time in the military. Just like I loved my time growing up in East Los Angeles. But you know what? Never going back to East Los Angeles. <laughs> it's okay to reminisce every once in a while, but I don't want to live there. And that's the way I feel about the military now. Is you know, I met some really made some friends, made made some brothers, and really want to focus on that. But don't want to dwell on the past because as a person I want to grow and I want to be just a better human being. And it's difficult to do that if I'm stuck in the past. Um, so, Drew, will you just tell – this is a free, safe zone, whatever whatever terminology you want to use. Uh, the only thing I ask is that we try to, you know, keep the profanity down because I'd like my granddaughter to be able to hear these episodes oh, man. at some point before she's 25. <laughs> um, okay, I'll try. So, you know, yeah, I understand something's going to slip, and that's fine. But, you know, let's try to keep it – Appropriate. I'm digging. At least for my granddaughter. Um, but yeah, like if you can just let people know, like when did you start planning for your transition out of the military and then how did that transition go? So uh, I actually started planning my transition about six years after I actually got out. Uh, because if they had waited three more years before they put me on orders to Hawaii, I would have, shush, I would have um, declined PCS and retired in lieu of, uh, you know, because after your, if I think it's 18 months out, you can do that. But anyway, they got me, and then I was going to retire into the blind from Hawaii, but I got scared of being able to find a job and whatnot. So then I did it again, and. Um, my last job was here in Idaho where I live now. And, um, I just talked with my wife and we weren't going to move again as a family and we knew it was time. So I had three years being, I worked at senior ROTC. So I was already in civilian land mostly. And I love this area. The mountains are awesome. The values in this area fit my style. And, uh, so the girls got set in school and, and friends. Kristen has an awesome job already set up. Um, and so I just kind of started networking and thinking about stuff, but not really hunting adamantly. But like the TAPS class for me, you know, like I, um, your first episode, there's a lot of truth there. Like, 
we don't need classes on how to freaking balance our checkbook and, um, you know, interact with people at an interview because we just, we know how to talk to people. But one of the tips that they gave me was going to um, job fairs. And sure enough, I just went and I got a job offer um, that paid my bills and I didn't have to move or do anything um, to to take it, um, which I guess is post-planning. But like I took advantage of the college, the free college. And my bachelor's is in kind of a bullcrap thing, you know, criminal justice. But I don't think most people are looking at what it's in. They just want to see that you have a degree and there you go. Uh, and then my fine, I, so like employment, finances, I did the math. I knew, all right, I have to make this much. Like I talked with you, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Like I had to make this much money just to maintain my lifestyle. And so that was my bottom number. And I just got as debt free as I could. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so for like me, my, my biggest problem was, uh, I guess learning how to, not say what was off the top of my head when I heard something that was maybe not very, very intelligent. <laughs> yeah. Like in interviews, you mean, or what? And just in general, um, you know, uh, you know, I'm a big dumb animal, right? <laughs> so I, I might not be able to pick up like on uh, when people like me or are okay with my performance, but I can definitely pick up when somebody has a problem with me. And so there were some interviews when I went on where I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to take this as just practice and getting the reps in because huh, there's no way I'm getting this job. Cause this, this guy on this side, on the other side, not so much. He's not really a, into what I'm saying. Oh. And so did you have to face anything like that where I don't know, people would, I'm not going to say, you know, in SFL tab, one of the things that they brought up, and it was for younger people, which I, I didn't like that they said it was, you know, you're going to find some employers that don't particularly like you because you're in the military. They're, they're going to hold that against you, Yeah, which may be, may be true, but I don't think that they should tell that to young soldiers because how do you prove that? Well, yeah, that's a dangerous road to go down because then – like you show up with the expectation of a poor me attitude, right? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And then if you don't get the job, well, oh, it's because they definitely don't like military. Maybe you just didn't have the skills. Yeah. Maybe maybe you didn't rehearse your interview, you know? I stutter, I have a lisp, and so I have to practice just to be mediocre. No, I, I dig it. But I think that you're, um, what's the fancy word like? You're being overly humble. Um, but I think I didn't, I don't know. Like that's another cool thing about my last job being the ROTC is it was me and two other active army people and everybody else was like college kids and, and faculty. And, uh, even though we're in Idaho, you know, it's 
like for the area, it's completely different mentality. So I kind of got used to toning um, the language down, being able to identify with what their um, kind of like mentality is. Um, but as far as interviews, I don't think so. I had two interviews. Um, and that's another like boon to being where I'm at is I'm away from the military bases. And so, and it's a government, uh, subcontracting job. So they get points for having, you know, veterans employed and so many points for disabled veterans, which I am qualified on now. And so, and then they're just, so they're already kind of looking to hire a vet if they're qualified for it. So I didn't have to face the like, um, you know, stuff around like Vietnam and things like that, where people are like, Oh man, here's another vet looking for a freaking handout that really doesn't know what they're doing. Um, okay. So I have to interrupt you because just like we're trying to break change veterans perceptions of, like the transition out and maybe hopefully this will help change some of the employer's perceptions as well. Um, because we're not looking for a handout. We're just looking for an opportunity. And if it's not with you, that's fine. We go find an opportunity somewhere else. Right. But, but Fayetteville is Fayetteville and it's not Vietnam. It has improved over the past 20 years. All right, man. And the perception will never change. If people keep saying Vietnam, it's not the best but it's not the worst. It's improving. Like we all want to do is just improve a little bit at a time. Not trying to be perfect. Just trying to be a little bit better. I can dig it. So I'm actually glad you said that. Cause that was actually another thing that my blabbing got me sidetracked from, um, where you were saying, well, maybe it's because you weren't qualified or maybe it's because you did this. And I think I am lucky enough that my friends never yeah yad me, you know, to the point where I had a false sense of who I was and what my strengths and weaknesses were. Especially you, Tony. Like, that bluntness of being able to say like actually drew you screwed that one up man and here's why i think you you're wrong on this like you just you know pointed out without crushing my feelings if that makes sense no it does and you know we're all it's hard to change and so the first interview i went to um when they sent me the email saying that they'd um, they selected a different candidate. Like I called them up and I said, Hey, what did I, what do I need to do better? And what do I need to do on the job? And they kind of told me some of the quals, um, that I was missing, but more so, um, they addressed some of the things I had made mistakes on in the interview, like, Oh, one of them was saying something about um, how you would advise um, 
the person in charge of you on something. And I said, well, you know, I would give counsel to my um, supervisor on this, you know, and there was another person in the military on there on the interview panel. And they had taken that as me counseling my supervisor. Like I, like a senior would counsel their subordinate in the army, like kind of telling them how to do their job the right way. And I didn't, if they would have brought that up, I could have explained that, Hey, no, like counsel means advice. And I was simply saying, I would give them what my opinion is of the situation. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I feel I'm, I'm pretty lucky on that. Like the job hunting thing. Um, cause at the job fair I went to, of course I wore my uniform. Uh, I felt a little bit out of place and odd, but you know what? It paid off. Um, you know, that's what I spent 24 years doing. And it opened up a door with one of the recruiters that actually, um, for the company I work for now that used to be in the military before, and we just got to shoot in the breeze. And, you know, we found out the different jobs I'd done in the army. And he, he, he called me a month later and he's like, Hey, Drew, did you see this job advertise? And I was like, yeah, I saw it, but you know, I've never done that kind of stuff before. And he's like, no, you have done it. Apply and then tell me when your application's in. And um, so I did that. I got an interview. And the stuff I had done in some of my positions uh, applied that I didn't even think would have. And here I am. So, well, and if I ramble, you got to stop me. But that's fine. What's up? No, no, we're, we're good. Okay. Cause so that reminded me of the lady. Um, I, I'm sorry, before, before you go into this, I have to ask one question. Sure. You said you went to your, you know, your interview in your uniform. Yeah. So just in case there's anybody who listens to this podcast, who was not in the military, are you telling me that you went in your full dress uniform? Yes. Full like your dress. ASUs? Yes. <laughs> could could you just ex- explain the rationale for that? Because I find that I don't know if it's funny or if it's the bravest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so a couple things, right? Like knowing your environment. Um, it's not... Uh, like if I wasn't going to wear my uniform, then I would have been wearing a suit, which like it blows my mind. Sometimes people don't understand that. Like when you're trying to make an impression, you want to dress up more than you normally would. But I knew my environment. People are very pro military here. And um, moreover, it's not, I mean, there's a heavy population of veterans, but there's not, Minus like the people at the recruiting station for the different services, there's nobody running around. And so what that did is just kind of like 
draw good attention to me. Does that make sense? No, it does. But my la- my follow up question was: uh, Did you have a bow tie, or was it a just a straight tie? <laughs> no, I wore the the uh, the was it foreign foreign hand foreign one tie and oh, low okay. quarters. All right, I just I didn't know like how far you went with this, which no. again, I probably one of the bravest things I've heard because I haven't heard of anybody going to an interview in their military uniform. Yeah. In their, in their garrison uniform, yes. But that's just because they didn't know what they were doing. They just didn't oh. have the knowledge. Yeah, no. So this was a job fair. Okay. And so I was just walking around to different booths and talking to people. And so that is what got this recruiter. He saw um, some of the badges I have and, and we'd shared um, experiences, you know. Um, but no, to my job interview, no, I just wore a suit and tie. Oh, okay. Even still. So, uh, the job fair here that I went to, at Fort Bragg, I was amazed, uh, because it was open to, to everyone, uh, you know, the military spouses and family members. So you could see some young people in there who had never had a job before in their life. And they showed up in, you know, tank tops and shorts and they just didn't know. You know, oh man! So, no, so it's a learning experience for them, and hopefully they'll get better from there. Uh, I would, but what I was surprised at was the military people that were showing up. That like showing up in cargo shorts, a t-shirt, and your camouflage baseball cap is not the impression you want to set. Yes. Well, it's just like all the other stuff that we've done, like. First impressions, you have to, there's more than one Drew out there, right? But I have to be, make a better impression than the other Drew. And so I'm going to wear my suit, fresh shave, you know, and look good. And I think you just got to sell yourself from day one. Um, however you can to above and beyond. And if that's, you know, maybe you don't have a suit and tie, but most people have a decent pair of jeans and a, a button up shirt at least. Hey, so you mentioned, um, your networking when yeah. you were getting ready to leave. Um, so I, I've told you this multiple times for me, this is only the second job I've ever had in my life where, I, I went out to interviews and I sought employment and gained employment on my own. So for me, it was important to like, I started planning this 10 years ago, how I was going to make my escape. Yep. And so I had to make sure like that, that my plan was worked and I don't want, I don't want my success to be given to the military in any way, shape or form. I didn't want to be hired because, oh, yeah, we were both paratroopers or we were both in division or we both were in Iraq during this time. Yeah, that I did not want to be hired for that. Um, so I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but when I was in, when I was younger, I uh, attended 
the University of California at Irvine. And I was told by some of the students there, some of the Asian students and some of the Caucasian students that I didn't deserve to be there, that I was only in, got, was allowed in because of affirmative action. <laughs> and I let that affect me and my grades dropped and I, I didn't graduate. Uh, looking back, I'm happy I didn't because I hate engineering. I don't want, didn't want to do that. <laughs> uh, so it's good that I, I, I didn't get that, uh, complete that degree. But in the military, you kind of hear, I don't know about you, but I used to hear that too. Like uh, I, I met a few people who told me, it's like, well, I can't trust anybody who doesn't drink. And I guess we're not going to be friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, and it was always something, you know, growing up in East Los Angeles, I was never Mexican enough. I go to Irvine. I'm not American enough. Uh, I joined the army. I'm a paratrooper. It's like, well, you're not, you're not infantry. So you suck. Uh, you know, we make it over to Yusasak um, and the special operations. It's like, well, you're not, you know, one of us over here. You're just, you know, the lesser. You're support. You might as well be support. It was always something. So when I left the military, I wanted, for me personally, I wanted to make sure. I basically wanted to shove it into everybody's face from my past. Like I told you, I took on that attitude. You know, my grandbaby, love my grandbaby, Lena, right? Well, she likes the wrestling and uh, her favorite wrestler is Cody Rhodes, right? Well, his arch nemesis is uh, MJF and his, his uh, saying after he goes on his rants is always, I'm better than you and you know it. And I, I had, I, I had to take on that mentality. I uh, was still remembering to be polite. Um, so I could go to these uh, interviews and if I didn't get the job, it's okay. It's all right. There's another one. There's, there's a place for me. Yeah. I just have to keep looking. And you know, it's, it's hard to keep that morale up when you're told, when you send out 75 applications and you're not hearing anything. I've had people say like, well, don't apply unless you have like 90% of what they're looking for. That's the most insane thing I've ever heard of in my life. Yeah. It's like I, I applied for a position, uh, an associate professor position. The individual who got it, the position was, uh, <laughs> she has her PhD from Cambridge, right? So yeah, she's more qualified than I am. And that's perfectly fine. Going in, I had I knew I had probably less than a one percent chance of getting that position. But if I didn't apply, I had a zero percent chance. Absolutely, bro. And listening to all these experts telling me, "Oh, wow, well, you got to do it this way." It's like, no offense, but you never you retired from the military, but you went to work right back on the military installation, which is fine. You know, you do whatever you want to do to support yourself, your family, whatever makes you happy. But there's a big world out there. You don't have to just focus on stuff in the military. Yeah. Which I know I sound like kind of a hypocrite because I'm, you know, teaching up there, um, uh, you know, regional stuff. Yeah, but, but 
I think that it, the audience needs to know too that that wasn't your only opportunity. It was just um, the best opportunity that fits what you're at right now. Um, but you prepared yourself with your degrees to be competitive starting 10 years ago, right? Yeah, I wanted to, you know, set the example for my daughter. Yeah. So I, that you actually reminded me again about Janine. It, it, I kept not applying for jobs and her husband worked at the place I worked before. And she's like, oh, she's a sweet old lady. She goes, oh, sweetheart, don't let them fool you. Nobody there's qualified for the job they're in. And I was like, what do you mean? And she just said, like, they just write this, the job description to make it sound really cool. And it ends up turning people away. And she's like, if there's one thing in there that you think you, um, you qualify for, then apply. And so I did. I, and um, I think I put in like 10 to the same place. And I finally got the one interview for him that went. So awesome advice. Like, don't let the job description turn you away and say that you're not qualified for something. Um, but one thing too, and I, I admire your ferocity and independence, but I think that networking, you know, like whether you agree with affirmative action or not, like, so what if being, you know, for you being Hispanic is, is what actually got you into Irvine, then so what? I know how smart you are, and I know that's not why you got there, but so what? Um, and so, like, if being a veteran is what got me this interview, then so what? I'm going to use that as a way in, you know? Um, and then at the, at the interview... No, definitely. Definitely. Um, so in the first episode, I, I, I think I wanted to make it perfectly clear. Like, my way was probably not the best way. I uh, <laughs> probably did it the most knuckle-dragging, dick-headed, imbecile way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I don't recommend it to anybody. Like, if you're able to network, then you should. And I want to have people on here who have because I obviously didn't. Yeah. No. But at the same time, networking only gets you the FaceTime with somebody. You know, if you don't interview well and you don't have the quals, then, you know, they're going to pick somebody that has the PhD. And so that's probably where you people guy people should be making their money when they want to talk about planning for a retirement. Like start getting the education, start getting the certifications. Uh, a lot of stuff seems silly when you're in it, but man, it, it's amazing how much weight's put on that stuff out here. Hey, so with all, with all the episodes, with all the podcasts, you know, we want to touch on a little bit of, you know, you know, just letting guys know that, Hey man, if like you, you haven't found a job yet, don't worry about it. You'll find one. It just takes some time and maybe you might have to refine your uh, approach you know, like you can't send out 75 of the same exact resumes. You have to tailor it to the job that you're applying to. Amen. Even if it's just changing like three jo uh, three words here or there, you know? Yeah. You don't have to rewrite the whole thing, but just 
tailor it a little bit to your job. Um, but, you know, we've all been there and eventually you'll find a job. It might not be your dream job, but it'll be the job that you need right now to, in order to find your dream job. Um, but the other topic I like to bring up, I, I don't really like to bring it up, um, but, you know, part, part of this was uh, the mental health aspect, right? And uh, so I talked to Junior a little bit about it. Uh, for me, uh, not so much anymore, but easily, I went to Iraq first time in 2003. And when I, when I came back, people are thanking me. Right. And I, I know people just want to be polite and show you that they support you. Right. But for me, that was probably, I, for me, I'd rather go back to Iraq and be shot at again. Yeah. than have people thank me because not because they were doing anything wrong. They, they were being very supportive and I appreciate that. But for me, I always felt like, like they could see through me, like, like it was just some big joke. Like people were waiting to like point their fingers and, and just like come out and you're a phony and we know you're a phony. You're a joke. Mm. You know, I I don't know if other people felt like that, but again, if 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 I was thinking like that, uh, I'm going to think that there's at least one other person who served in Afghanistan or Iraq who felt like that. Um, but you know, now, you know, it, it, it took me a very long time, um, but it doesn't really bother me. You know, it's like I, people say, thank you. I'm out now, but you know, when I was still in and still wearing the uniform, people would say, thank you. And I, I appreciated it because they were just trying to show their support. But for me, for the longest time, I always felt like people were just going to come out and just say, you know what? We know you're a coward or, or something. Just make some accusation. Right. Did, did you ever like go through anything like that or. Uh, for a, a little while, not so much as I, after I got out, but um, while I was still in, there was sometimes I felt that way. Um, because, you know, most of my deployments were um, to non-kinetic environments. And so, like, part of me, I guess, thought, like, oh, man, who am I? I only did one tour, and my boys are on their, like, sixth and seventh ones. And they've gotten into all this crap, you know, they've been blown up three times and I just did, you know, one tour, uh, who am I, but I, I'm not even sure how I progressed past that. Maybe it was just the time. Um, and I had some friends, you know, like you that, uh, kind of knew what was in my mind and kind of talked me through it. But I think that in the end, the realization is um, like, so what I did the best I could do at difficult times and made the best choice I could. 
And um, I don't know, I guess that mindset's kind of permeated me really in the last year or so talking with a guy here at the vet center, um, gave me a book and, you know, reading that, like some of the thoughts and they were like, so what, you know, I'm not the only one that felt that. Uh, and I'm not saying, so what, as in don't talk to somebody about it, but get to a place in life that you can accept. Hey, I did the best I could. Maybe I could have done it differently and maybe Tony could have done a better job or made a better decision, but uh, I just did the best I could and, and move on. But um, as far as like the thinking thing, man, that always, that's a hard thing to respond to. Like, oh yeah, you're welcome. But I think what, for me, as far as that instance, is when I realized they're thinking me, and I don't mean this uh, in like any kind of mean way, but when someone thanks you for your service, it's more for them. Like they don't know how else to say, hey, thank you for going in my stead. I got to stay home and and hang out. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think that's more to make them uh feel at peace with themselves. Yeah, so I see both sides of it. So for me, um you know that always brought up like I I, I would get angry cuz I just brought up bad thoughts and bad uh you know bad times, you know. Yeah. Bad times in Iraq. <laughs> um you know, but you know I went I got help um uh, was able to talk to somebody. Uh, what I learned is, again, um, I I could dwell on it. You know, I, I could keep carrying it with me, but it's just weighing me down, and I don't want to carry it anymore. You know, I want to live my life. I want to. I want to do things. I want to. I just want to be happy. You know, and there's nothing I can do now that's going to change what happened there. Right. Uh, so I, I can second guess, like you said, I can second guess everything. I can, you know, go back to the phase where I'm just trying to drink myself so I'm numb all the time. Um, but that's really not going to do anything. That's not going to help me now. I'm glad uh, to hear that you didn't go back to it, man. So, no, um, you know, I just, this podcast is just to, you know, try to get, let guys know, like, hey, man, like, if you're having trouble, like, finding a job, like, you know, there's resources out there. Again, I like to plug Onward to Opportunity because I think they're great. Uh, hire heroes that are out there. Go see your VFW. Um, they might be able to point you in the right direction. They might be able to help you out. Um, but if you're dealing with things, too, like mental baggage, it's okay to go get help. There's nothing wrong with it. And the reason why it took me so long was because I was always worried about what people were going to think about me. And then when I got in trouble uh, for drinking down in South America, it 
none of that really mattered because those people whose opinions I valued didn't want to have anything to do with me. I was persona non grata. And it's people like you, Junior, Jesse, you know, the same people I keep mentioning, Al, John, and Orlando, you know, who stood by me and, and helped me. And I will always be grateful and thankful for that. Well, that's cool, man. The reason I went and talked to somebody is because you did first. So thank you. So again, you know, we like to talk about things to help vets and sometimes it can get a little heavy. So like on the last uh, pod, um, we're promoted taco, right? Because my grandbaby, she loves that puppy. <laughs> uh, do you want to give a shout out for your puppies? Because I know you have a couple. Like actual dogs? Yeah, like your dogs, like the four-legged critters that are <laughs> walking around your house. Oh, man, you should have warned me on that. <laughs> yeah, Cowboy's Whoa. my boy. He can't take him anywhere because he wants to fight everybody, but yeah. Now, what's the, what's the new edition, the family's oh, edition? Dandelion. Little Dandelion. Plumadoo. She's a cuddler. But Chris, she makes Kristen happy, so. I'm happy. Yeah, the videos of her are very entertaining. <laughs> I'll send you a pic of her, the way she sleeps. Uh, like, literally on top of Kristen's head, man. But All right. So every episode, we're not going to give shout out to puppies. Um, you know, might be other animals out there that need to some recognition. I don't know, some wombats or something. Uh, but you know, sometimes we talk about things that are a little heavy. Uh, like to end on a on a on a high note. Um, so I like to keep these episodes at about like between twenty five to forty minutes because I don't know about you, but anything longer than that, I, I just I fall asleep. I, I don't know if it. you can hear. It. I don't know if you can hear, it, but my chair creaks and <laughs> it's my rock. It, it's my rocking chair. Uh. My old, my old man rocking chair. So if you guys hear any crazy creaking sound, sorry, that's just my old man chair. Um, but again, do you want to say hi to anybody, Drew? Nah, man. Just uh, I'm glad you you run into some of our boys uh, recently, and I'm I'm excited to go listen to you and Junior's conversation. All right. So as always, we end our podcast with the traditional goodbye. Zot, 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 and roll tide.